Hello and welcome to the Bravo Outsider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Midwinter. Dylan is away the next couple weeks, but filling in for him is a very good friend of mine. I've subjected her to my terrible takes in my Bravo group chat, and now I'm going to do it on the podcast. It's Sandy Cloak. Sandy, welcome. Want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. I'm very excited to chat about Bravo. It's a passion of mine, and obviously we do a lot of that offline, so excited for our chat today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh each, each week, we bring on an outsider who doesn't follow Bravo in order to get their takes on the episode. And this week, joining us is the one and only Rusty Robot. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm going to do my tagline now? Okay, yeah. one sec. I got to find it because I wrote it down. Well, I think I kind of remember it, actually. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember what it is. They say it takes a village. Well, I put the I in team. That's all you come up with. <laughs> Love it. That that's pretty good. That uh, that does like definitely fit with like the the tagline vibe that that we've seen. Thank were you, you ins- yeah. were you inspired by any particular housewives uh, taglines when you uh, were doing your research? Yeah, I definitely was. <laughs> well, we thought of the. I say we because we I watch all these episodes with my wife, but we thought of the uh, I put the I in team is very like on brand for these yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, the people in these episodes. Um, but then they all have like the you think this is the setup? Well, this is the punchline. So we had yeah. a, a lead up as well. <laughs> and the ones I really liked were like uh, well, the ones I heard most, I guess. But uh, like she by Sheree, more like she broke the internet. Some of them are so funny and don't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, they're great. Some of them they're great. just suck. In our yeah, year, it's true. There's they're... always like a few duds. <laughs> but I like it's the nice. It gives one. diversity. I think that's Emily. Yeah. Um, so normally when we have like just two episodes to cover, we like to do a roundtable discussion at the beginning of the show about some sort of theme relating to reality TV. But I have been waiting for the right moment to dive into some Bravo music. And I figured having a musician on is the perfect time to do that. So I gave you three songs to choose from Coffee and Love by Ashley Darby. I Do Whatever I Want by the OC Reels and Google Me by Kim Zolciak. And uh, you selected one. Uh, what was your selection criteria? and let us know what you picked i selected google me by kim zolciak very good choice <laughs> uh it was hard it was hard to choose because they're all like fascinating they're, they're and they're they're well done they are well done you can hear that they weren't like they don't have like a past long music career yeah. of, uh, experience, uh, but it's really fascinating to see how hard they try and what they're trying to do with it and the kind of music they're trying to make and what they're, and how that's forced out into the world. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Google me is great. I loved Google me. It reminded me of a bunch of things actually. Yeah. This, um, you know, there's actually a pretty like broad variety of, uh, songs and like ideas that are trying to be expressed in housewife music as far as I'm concerned. And some of it definitely leans towards a lot more like kitschy and, uh, and then there's housewives on the other side of the spectrum that are really trying to like get something going and like do something serious. Like I'm thinking like Candace Dillard's latest effort is like, she's trying to get something going. And we actually see on this season of Atlanta, uh, Drew is trying to get something going 
um, and that's right. Taking, taking it a little bit more more seriously with like varying degrees of success. But these three songs that I picked out were definitely on the like the kitschier side of the housewife spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so and. I think Google Me is maybe one of the all-time goofiest Bravo songs that I've ever heard. And you know what? I, I, it's still like, it's still a bop. I, I think like, I super was, memorable. Like, yeah. So memorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you, what were your highlights from this song? Well, right away, I thought like the music is really reminiscent of a few other songs. Like, I don't want to like, I'm not minimizing that. Like there's only a no, few yeah. chord progressions, but it really reminds me of, uh, you don't mean nothing to me by Nelly Furtado. Like it's kind of the same kind of song as that. <laughs> also, "Love You to the Moon and Back" by Savage Garden. If you sing those two songs while that song's playing, that's the same song essentially. Oh. And those are great songs, and I love those songs. Um, and then I also looked into like that's the second of three singles. I think she like she has a song called "Tardy to the Part," "Tardy for yeah. the Party" that came out before this with yeah. Candy. So yeah. I think like this is like a is this like a retort song to just um, th- I, I actually don't know the context of this song like I I was like exposed to it before or right as I got into Atlanta which was after this was out for a number of years and so um I think having no context on this makes it that much more better uh and I That's really true. couldn't find anything in the limited research that I did on this, uh, that, well, we found that Kim, Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I just like, I, I feel like Kim Zolciak is really always like pushing kind of her own personal lore out there. And the fact that this kind of stands alone and there's not other references like, uh, tardy for the party was referenced again in the TV show that she had after, like she spun off of real housewives of Atlanta. And that was a long running series. And so she's always kind of, you know, pushing her, her own personal lore of it. And the fact that this isn't ever referenced in any of that, um, really makes it stand on its own. Yeah. It, it's a hit. I, I think it's totally, it sounds like a giant hit, uh, <laughs> on its own. I, I read that she thinks it's a, like a rap song comparable to glamorous by Fergie, which I mm. thought was, you know, that's a bold thing to yeah. <laughs> review your own song. Like, um, and, and then that live version, you sent a link of that live version is just un- amazing. Uh, but there's that host who introduces her on yeah, all these Andy, different live Andy versions. Cohen. Yeah. Oh, is that, yeah, he's like, I can't tell if he's like really, really excited or if he's mocking the situation <laughs> or if he's being sincere. That's uh, a great thing about that <laughs> He, he <laughs> walks that line expertly and that's why he's so good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he is like, for some context, he is like the godfather of Real Housewives and like Bravo in general. He, uh, he He's like executive producer on basically every one of these unstructured reality shows on bravo and he hosts a like a nightly late night show where he brings on celebrity guests and they sit on the couch kind of like the you know the letterman style the johnny carson style except a little bit more informal but they always talk about like the events that are happening both on screen on the shows that are covered and also you know online or off camera and within the meta so um it's kind of like 
if you want the pulse on what's going on in Bravo, you know, you tune into watch what happens live or follow the updates and Andy, Andy Cohen is everywhere. Oh, cool. So that's, that's like a show. That's like a, it's like a Bravo tell all that's like a, like a late night talk show meets electric circus or something. <laughs> that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So he like, it's fairly uncommon that they will have like a live musical performance. Um, mm. They do it like from time to time. They'll be like, you can find a performance of um, uh, like James Kennedy performed on uh, watch what happens live as well. And it does happen from time to time. If like a housewife or another like Bravo celebrity has something out there that they want to push. But uh, for the most part, it is like, fairly in line with the traditional late night TV format, but uh, really focused on, on Bravo happenings. Cool. Uh, Sandy, what, what were your thoughts on uh, Google me? Well, I definitely appreciate it as a work of art. I think Rusty were very generous <laughs> in, in your, in your take on it. And um, I mean, it's, I almost have no words, but I, <laughs> I was listening to the lyrics I, and this is a new one for me. I love all these, I love all these, uh, songs that the housewives come up with, but I think I only encountered this one in the last year and it was quite a treasure. Um, I was listening to some of the lyrics later in the song about she'll be, I'll be difficult to replace. That's not, I'm paraphrasing. And all those other girls are <laughs> fake Barbies. So I was wondering if it came when she was, when she left the show, I'm not as ver well versed in Atlanta as I am some of the other franchises, but I was wondering what the sort of drama was going on there and, and also interested in like who did write this and was it her? Cause like, yeah, no, we yeah. looked that up too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it written, enlighten us. Who was it? Uh, Angela Scott who says written by Angela Scott on some credits we found somewhere. Awesome. Oh, okay. Uh, faceless genius, a Angela Scott. <laughs> well, that, that's what um, makes it's curious it's too, because, because uh, like you mentioned, her first song tardy for the party was, uh, it like candy we saw on Atlanta candy helped her like write and produce this. And like candy has like a, a huge, like she's legit. She's, she's got a Grammy. She's like, uh, pr she's a hit maker. So, um, you know, to have Google me kind of be the follow up on that. I am very curious as to what Candy's thoughts are on that being in like <laughs> side by side in the catalog. <laughs> and, and what, from what I've learned about Candy, just watching this season, it sounds like we probably do have her thoughts documented somewhere on this. She doesn't seem like, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> can probably find that pretty easily or see it in yeah. her face. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Sandy? Or see it in her face. She's very expressive. Oh, I was just yeah. going to say, I can Love already it. see the look in her face when she hears the pierced lips. I'm like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, one thing that I really like grew to love out the song over listening to it on repeat over the past little bit in preparation for this was like just how overproduced it is like just unnecessarily so like they're always sprinkling in that wind chime sound that <laughs> is used like yes. in a lot of like 90 songs and but it's typically used a lot more sparingly than it is in this song like they're finding every opportunity to put that in and uh also doing that 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 dj move where it's like re 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 research me you'll find me <laughs> yeah yeah I i've remixed a song before where i I, I kind of like know exactly what they did there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had to fill some 
space. And so it's like, research me, yeah, yeah, you'll find me. And you just yeah. need those extra beats, but you don't have the words or the takes. So you just cut it up and make it work. And, <laughs> and then nobody can ever do it live, except you see her do it live. And they have just the backing tracks doing it. And then her also doing it. And it's hilarious to me that like her live vocals makes the song worse like yeah. <laughs> just let the song play it sounds better i don't like mocking people's talent though so like i don't want to take that away from her she's trying to do something with music so it's not nice to mock her but it does sound worse when she sings on top of it i think like the the you know we appreciate all of the housewives work you know on it yeah like, they're working and we we are consuming it and we appreciate it so it's that balance of you know commenting honestly and (laughs) (laughs) but really like we do appreciate it we love it we're here we're we're fans so um i should speak for me and craig i guess um but yeah it's uh it's certainly bold she's she went here's one thing she went bold with the the lyrics the whole concept the the analysis of her own song as you mentioned rusty but she was not bold in that uh in that performance she was just curled up like a in the fetal position that was kind of interesting to me. I don't, again, I don't, I really want to watch back episodes because I think she sounds like a pretty fun character, but I don't know much, too much about her. But is that, Craig, is that normal? Or like, how did you take that as someone who knows maybe her um, stuff better? Yeah, there's like a little bit of, um, she does come across very like timid in that that performance. And I think that some of that is the result of just, you know, the situation not being someone that performs on stage typically. And, you know, she is obviously a performer because all reality stars are, but like to different type. Yeah. Yeah. To be on stage on like a live show that doesn't have any like post-production performing a song that is very like heavily, like has a lot of post-production on it and doing that live, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely like, She's a bit, um, a bit of a shell of herself in that live performance, um, and you really that, feel her nerves. Yeah, and I think that that adds a lot to this, like this video of this performance to me, just because like this song is such a, like a like a chest thumping, like yeah, you know, research me, you'll find me, like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the boss, and then to like just deliver it so meekly is yeah. is so funny, and you've got Andy Cohen like grooving and like yeah. grinning in the background, so hard, <laughs> smiles so huge and bright in the background. Yeah. She even. She even mentions um, her Twitter followers amount, which I love. Got to throw that in. Yeah. Okay. Like, so I was it? like, where is she getting this metric from? Like 22 million following me? She does not have 22 million Ooh. Twitter followers. She has less than a million Twitter followers. So is she like, was she like she's combining like all platforms and just fudging it a little bit. I mean, yeah. and she's yet inviting us to <laughs> Google it. So that's so bold. So bold. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. We did. We Google all her. Google her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that I loved about this song was like um, the the use of auto tune in it really like hit with me, uh, and I I know that that was like unintentional. Like it was definitely like it was used uh, for the original purpose that it was intended for of like correcting someone's pitch, but it was reminiscent of like. Um, I, I read this like article from uh, it was, like New York Times or something like that, and it was about uh, 
the the singer T-Pain and how he felt like he was misunderstood when he came out and was heavily using autotune because he was like pushing to use this as an instrument for effect and like you know you play autotune like an instrument as opposed to just using it to like correct your your vocals and like it was an effect that he was like specifically going to and people just like didn't get that and just like you know they they dragged him for it um and there's also like i think it's like a tiny desk concert or something like that where you can see him performing acoustically and um he's got a great voice he doesn't need to use auto-tune so like i believe him when he's saying this um but it is very effective and when you think back on like t-pain's catalog like it really stands out and there's like great hits and it's got like a certain effect and you know that i felt that in this google me track i felt like Hmm. you want to be like me like that the the way that the auto-tune like uh, is use it really reminds me of like the effect that T Pain was going for, even if it was unintentional. Oh yeah, unintentional. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's so funny that that because yeah, T Pain won like the first season of The Masked Singer. I'm pretty sure, and it was oh, yeah. like for me, what made The Masked Singer like just like galvanized its place in like entertainment history because it was like, it took this artist career who has this career that we all know and love and unmasked it for real. And right in front of us and said, I also have this incredibly soulful voice that you (laughs) will blow your mind. Like he's a beautiful singer. Yeah. You would never think that with so much auto tune on his voice. So he can hit notes all he wants. But it's the fact that she's so far away from the note that yeah. the auto tune has to work so hard to pull it back into a note that it sounds like a non-human. And then, you know, so it's just it's kind of backwards how she got there, I suppose. But I love that. Yeah. I think overall, watching as we touched on, definitely here, watching that balance between their sort of unusual confidence and this talking about all the Bravo. So let's say all the Bravo ladies who have chosen to do this, who can't sing on key, which are a fair handful. It's really interesting watching how they navigate that bravado and like those moments of, of insecurity, like we're seeing on this performance. I think of, you know, Luann, she just always is confident, never, never, never breaking. That's in uh, Real Housewives of New York. And she's got several songs and she does a cabaret and it's, it's kind of, it's, I think it's kind of attended ironically or like as, as fan, like it's, you know, no one's going for her musical talent, but they are going for her performance and her, her persona. It's, it's just exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. and so she, she's very successful, but it's within that world of being a housewife. So it's super interesting to, to watch, especially for the ones that sort of keep doing it. Like I think Ashley did a one-off, I think, uh, the other option for yeah. today. She, but it's just, yeah, I find that very fascinating and how they kind of play it on screen because they're humans and you see those moments of vulnerability that are so fascinating, but they also know like, they got to sell themselves and this is its own absolute unique beast that they are there, this thing they're doing. And it depends on that. I think you touched on something super specific there with the live, her live performance of Google me. She has absolutely no support visually with any humans around her at all. She's Mm -hmm. just got the track and a microphone. And like you see on SNL, there can be somebody who isn't the world's greatest musician, but has a team of theater behind them. Uh, putting on this incredible performance that is entertainment, that it's like some sort of spectrum between just music and something amazing for the eyeballs. And, 
And normally, like if they're going to a dude ranch, for example, they have a yeah. team of goddamn people dressing them to go do that so they feel confident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's on stage with no support. Of course, her nerves were all yeah. over the place. I, I kind of feel for her in a way. No, <laughs> yeah. totally. So used I mean, to that. <laughs> yeah. And who hasn't been like... Kim Z in this position, not not I like have. necessarily, <laughs> you know, at this scale, maybe, but, you know, who hasn't been in a position where they have to do something in front of an audience and they're in over their head and not feeling confident about it to begin with. And, you know, the moment hits and, you know, just got to like muddle through it um, with like classmates like snickering behind you. It, uh, yeah, it, it definitely cool. like resonates with you uh, <laughs> big time. Yeah. It's so human. I certainly didn't mean I've been in her position at all. Yeah. Well, in that way, yeah. No, it's it's actually such a unique moment to watch that performance. Uh, Did you guys have any other thoughts on uh, Google Me before we step into the, uh, the shows from this week? I don't. All right. So we are covering Real Housewives of Orange County and Real Housewives of Atlanta this week. Uh, Rusty, were either one of these shows like more um, compelling to you? They are equally compelling in super different ways. Like, and just like, oh, my brain was hurting so hard after trying to understand what these people are doing, but in a great way, because I do love watching (laughs) reality TV. And I was making all these notes of who to get to know or of getting to know these people. So we started with uh, Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta's like strangely, like way more over the top. And like you said, like actually trying to do these like big business entertainment things. Whereas orange County felt more like fighting about relationships and money and doing crazy over the top things for the sake of doing over the crazy. I don't know they're both different. And I love them. <laughs> yeah. It's actually very interesting how, um, the, the flavor of each of these shows is influenced by their setting. Um, that's one thing mm-hmm. that I want to explore on our, our next show. Actually, we're going to have uh, an architect friend of ours uh, named Billy Chung come on, and we're going to talk about how physical spaces uh, play within these shows. Um, cool. But let's let's dive let's dive right into Real Housewives of Atlanta. What uh, who stood out to you from this cast? Uh, Sheree and Candy for sure stood out the most to me. Well, they, of course, they all stand out. They're all hilarious in their own ways. But Sheree and Candy definitely have these really strong. I think like opposite ends of the friendship spectrum anchor points. And then everyone's yeah. sort of like, even in, the, uh, is this the episode where they went to dinner or is that, that was a previous episode. They went to dinner. I think anyway, uh, I think Sheree like organized the dinner. Is that right? I know it's not this. episode. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, there was like the, the Gucci lunch. That That's what I'm about. talking about. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the prior episode and, here we kind of dealt a little bit with the fallout, but we got a, a great scene. And this was one of my highlights between Candy and Cherie, where they went on that walk and kind of sorted out their. I've got it highlighted uh, on my notes. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this this was a, a scene that I thought was fantastic where, um, you know, Candy and Cherie kind of uh, get together and they go over the uh the beef that Sheree has over the comments that Candy made on social media and Sheree actually gets an apology out of Candy who is pretty like um she's usually has a little bit of a difficult time kind of 
like admitting that she is wrong. I love Candy as a housewife and think she's fantastic. But, you know, getting this apology out of her, I think, was a huge win for Shuri. Yeah, I think that uh, I thought that this that conversation was like like a (laughs) almost like a a thesis of the whole show in a way. Like they talked about their arguments so in depth and like got to the crux of it and she got that apology and I thought that was actually kind of beautiful because like the communication was like they were not getting communicated and um, the fact that Candy was spoofing about her business to the public on the platform was I think the moment that was too far for Candy I mean for Cherie and she got that apology and like to just kind of ignore that like I was mocking that's what I don't get about this show one thing is like they perpetuate being a bully and mocking to so Mm. many people and it being normalized that like well yeah I was bullying you and mocking you on social media to millions of people yeah so (laughs) well that's hurtful and she got the apology and that made me feel good when I saw that uh, and then also like talking about the rollout plan, I, I, I uh, of like uh, her fashion line there. Like, there's so many nuances to this argument because Candy's right about how like, well, you're just using other people's designs and slapping your thing on it now, and uh, but then talking about the rollout plan, and that's how you do an album too. You make twelve songs and then you put out one every four months for the next four years so that your project lasts for four years like right. this fashion design uh, thing uh, so i kind of related to a bunch of it um but yeah i thought the apology was great that but i also thought the argument about like was exposing just kind of like how bad they were just yelling at each other how bad they both are at their hobby businesses. Like, well, your restaurant can't <laughs> pass a health test. And well, your fashion line doesn't pay its people who does anything. So <laughs> it was kind of sad and tragic, but the apology was beautiful. And that's what I got out of that scene. <laughs> yeah. I really like how it started as Real Housewives, but really they're all just entrepreneurs at this point. And it's pretty much yeah. all of the show's are largely there's there's other stuff in there but it's largely like them navigating these businesses that like yeah seeing if they can fly as if are they just hobby businesses are they yes are they legitimate and uh people throw a lot of things at the wall it's pretty interesting and it's yeah it's kind of cool to watch mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah that's that's a great point i think there's like so many housewives pretty much all of them that have like any ounce of savvy will attempt to you know build their own personal brand and launch some sort of product or something out there that they can use as a secondary um revenue stream and i think like we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about music and how you know people don't go to watch luann uh for her her music they go because it's like part of the housewives like experience and to get a deeper like embed yourself deeper in the like the housewife ecosystem and i think that's also true of you know these these ventures i don't think there's lots of people that are going to be you know that aren't familiar with housewives that are going to go and like buy some she by charade like that's yeah that's not what's what's going to happen or there's not like 
I, I think a lot of people that are going to go to a place like Tom Tom or Schwartz and Sandy's or Sir, they're not going there for like the goat cheese balls. They're going there to get like the Bravo experience. Like these are yeah, it's um, housewives merch essentially. No, no matter yeah. who's putting it out, right? It's merch of the show, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what other highlights did you have from this episode? Are you asking me? Or yeah, are you yeah. asking Sandy. Yeah, hey, sorry. other highlights I have. Ooh, I really loved the moment in Drew's when Drew's shooting her music video, uh, and uh, is that right? Her name's Drew yeah. shooting the music video. So I might I'm trying to remember everyone's names too. Uh, There's a lot to remember uh, uh, at the roller rink, um, and I know I'm going to sound like uh, like well, that's the show. Get over it, Rusty. But you know, everyone's like mocking her music video about how it's a <laughs> cute little roller rink, and while I had my party here birthday party that looked, video looked great to me i thought it looked great and fun and awesome and colorful but um the beautiful moment i thought was when her husband who's her husband's name ralph's husband ruin ralph and he he wanted to be in the video with that douchey director guy What's his yeah. name? rage <laughs> rage okay rage <laughs> <laughs> Big shot guy. Uh, but uh, I'm sure he is. I mean, I'm sure he's great. I'm sure the video is awesome. But uh, so Drew's sister came back and her and Ralph sort of butting heads or like unsure of the where the relationship stands. And Drew mentioned that she had mentioned doing a roller skating video in the past and now it's coming to fruition and she's here for it. And Ralph said, it's like you were meant to be here or you're supposed to be here. And you could see that moment that the relationship mm. changed and they're totally reconciled and they're friends again. And the grandma was happy about it and said that the blessings and the waiting or whatever she said there. And I thought that was a really meaningful moment for everyone involved. So that stood out to me. Yeah, that was a very tender moment that I, uh, I liked a lot as well. Um, it is kind of um, it is kind of like reframed by the fact that Drew and Ralph split up after this, and we have seen a history of Ralph be like a manipulator and like gaslight Drew a ton. Oh, see now I really feel like... bad for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in isolation, it is, and that's yeah, like I don't have the context. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't even think you need like context to really appreciate these things because like everything in life has like so much like context and there's just so many elements at play. And I think it's also important to like, just appreciate things outside of their, their context and totally. like, just, you know, just to, you know, get in touch with the actual humanity under this, because this was clearly a very like real human moment between all of these people that do have real actual relationships and, yeah. you know, how, it doesn't matter that we have seen this history of toxicity and we have had like um, the show frame him as a villain, whether that's actually the case in real life or not is, you know, up in the air. He probably is a really like shitty guy from what we've seen, but um, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that those people actually experience like true joy and being able to like repair a uh, little piece of their relationship and get some happiness out of it. Like that's, that's real. And for all the constructed situations that we see on reality TV, um, we still get moments like this where, you know, it adds, 
it adds color and dimension to these characters that we see that you wouldn't expect to see in other like narrative forms of like fiction. You're not going to write a, a character like Ralph and give him a moment like this in a, a novel or a film or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, th- these are the sorts of like moments that you get for people that are villains um, that you don't see in other mediums. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sandy, what gonna... were your highlights? Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say I did have some thoughts on Drew's video, similar to what uh, Rusty was saying earlier. I don't think that there was too much to criticize. In fact, you know, I prefer more disastrous music video shoot, as we have seen in other in other shows. Not too bad, but yeah. But uh, this one went pretty well. This one looked pretty, pretty professional, pretty solid. And obviously, Drew's really talented. Um, and there was, I mean, I guess Candace in Potomac had one in a parking lot with just like, and the car, her yeah. fancy race cars <laughs> that she ordered didn't come. Yeah. So she just had like she made everyone like move their own vehicles in the background, and it just it was so good as far as like, I don't want to be that person that's like enjoying other people's suffering, but there's a little bit of that. I don't know. I'll admit, but, <laughs> but it was fun to watch yeah. and a lot of shade being thrown for that. Um, and then there was, uh, Adriana in, in Miami where she brought all her friends who really all hate her on this boat. And they just like fully yeah. ignored the <laughs> frantic production director. Who's like, we're losing the sun. Everyone get dancing. And, and they were just drinking in like the bottom of the boat instead. So Anyways, uh, not to take away from Drew's success, but I wished it was more of a disaster. <laughs> which it wasn't at all. Which it wasn't even a bit. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I definitely echo the the Candy and Sheree fight. And just again, Candy, uh, this is my first season watching Atlanta and I watched and uh, I'm really loving it. I think all the women bring a lot, like, like we said, and Candy is just a delight to watch every second she's on screen. So... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, appreciate she that. She's out. a highlight for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And the, I don't uh, think this was this episode. Um, the the fight between Candy and Candace, one of the new women. I just have to give it a shout out for being one of the most nonsensical fights in a in a world where nonsensical <laughs> fights are. Like the the bar is high for nonsensical fights. I think it was, I think they've already put it past them by this episode, but it was quite a lot of drama because Candace, who didn't know Candy, met someone who knew Candy. And that person said, Candy said that Candy and Candace were friends when really Candy and Candace didn't know each other. And Candace was offended by that and told Candy. And if you, if you can't follow that, that's okay. Uh, Anyway. I was sitting here doing this with my finger. Candy, candy, Candace, 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 candy. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. So it was pretty great. I really enjoyed that this season so far. <laughs> and and I think I also had a moment. This is this is not uh, Marlo's Marlo's confessional background gave me a a kind of shocking realization that I had been really not critically thinking about what we're seeing behind these women in their confessionals, and I've been watching these shows for. About a decade at least. And I, they look pretty real sometimes. And, and then I was like, well, were they green screens this whole time? Because she has a fire in the background, but it's not moving. And that just, yeah. all of a sudden I was like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I never thought one way or the other, but then I actually went and searched it. And it sounds like they used to use the re- people's real backgrounds in their houses. Then they changed from that at a certain point for maybe budgetary reasons. I was reading a little COVID, bit on Reddit. Maybe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think. Yeah, do you know more about that? Because it just made me start thinking about it, and I was really looking at everyone's backgrounds and. Well. Yeah, I think it's been green screens for like. Well, for as long as I can remember watching it, um, I mean, I haven't been watching it as as long as you have, Sandy. But um, yeah, I, I think they've been using green screens for a long time. I don't think it was like a COVID measure. Mm. Um, it's definitely like a lot better executed on Real Housewives than it is on like shows like Below Deck, where I feel like it's pretty clearly a green screen there's just something about the way that it's it's lit or the the backdrops that they use where it seems pretty apparent that it's a a green screen but um on housewives they do a lot better job of making sure that they are lit in a way that it looks like they are in the environment that's projected on the background yeah i didn't notice any green screen well, if you keep watching, Misty, uh, now you will. Now you won't yeah, be able I to get it. I think we will, <laughs> actually. I am, think I'm hooked already. Like, with yeah, every great. season of Big Brother, it's like three episodes till I know everybody, buddy, and then I'm, like, super hooked. Well, I've watched three episodes of these two yeah. seasons, and now I'm hooked. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to acknowledge that I got a phone call about five minutes ago, and it said that I got cut off. The video got cut off, and it's re-recording now. Uh, so I just want to oh, make sure okay. you got everything going on your end okay there. Yeah, yeah, it seems, seems good. Okay, I did have a... I did have one more uh, highlight from this episode, unless we yeah, got to move for sure. on. No, nope, yeah. <clears throat> can I say the f word on this show? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, no, actually, she doesn't say it here. I just found it again fascinating that, like, so Marlo, like you're saying, going on this blind date, the end, which I thought was a good way to end the episode with hot mm-hmm. Scotley just like calming yeah. us all down. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> but like the way the Marlo's like. Upset that she didn't get invited to the music video. Then it goes, oh, I'm going to call her on the music. This fake-ass bitch. I'm going to call yeah. this fake-ass bitch. Hey, beautiful. Yes. Like, right yeah. away. Like, yeah. like, like, goes from talking about how much she hates her to saying yeah. how much she's beautiful. I don't, I can't do that. I don't understand how people do that. It's an art. I also noted that literally saying she's so fake and being the fake, the fakest greeting ever. It's, it, that's like takes a professional. Yeah, and then they get into the conversation, and Drew's even like, "Well, I appreciate that," or something like that. But or and then she then she goes, "Well, I'm actually not kind of appreciating how you're coming at me. Like I'm in a music video." She can feel that this is really insincere, and then she's like, "Well, (laughs) fuck you, fake ass bitch," and then hangs up on her again right away, like thirty seconds later. Oh, and one another thing in the car that we both noticed because I watched the episode twice, and then I was the second time I was like, "Oh yeah!" So she gets in that Uber or whatever it is, and then she she like clears her throat and she goes, "Oh please, Lord, don't let me cough." And then the driver goes, "Oh Lord, I've been praying for that all day too." And <laughs> and then they move on, and I, and we're. Both I like, think it. What are they talking about? <laughs> I I think it was for like needing to have a COVID test. I feel like this was uh, uh, the f- production of this was still under like stricter COVID measures, and we see that actually on this season of Real Housewives of Orange County, where you know housewives are getting like sidelined with with COVID. I see it's already happened a, a few times, so I assume that that's what it's about. But yeah, that, that does make to perfect me as sense well. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel dumb for even bringing it up now. It makes total perfect sense. <laughs> No, but but this this scene was also one that stood out to me. Like I loved that Marlo. You know, we see her getting so nervous about this date, and 
like not i'm not sure how to act and you know then she decides like oh i you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna I'm going to call Drew to get my blood going. Like I'm going to just get fired up about like something else, take my nerves off of it and like, just really get the adrenaline going as opposed to like, just being like meekly nervous about going on this (laughs) blind date. So she calls and just like decides like, Oh yeah, the the solution is to stir shit up with Drew. (laughs) And then after she hangs up on her, She's like totally body shaming her. Is it talking about how she's built like a square square and man, your man don't even want you. And I think that that's kind of horrible to put on TV and not nice to see another woman shaming another woman or anybody shaming anybody really, you know, but I know it's a show wrestling. Yeah. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think like you're, you're like uh, tapping into a internal conflict that, you know, we as viewers, have to deal with when we're watching these shows like reality tv it is you know it it, watching it and consuming it at least especially the the bravo shows um it's not this like pure endeavor like there's um it's it's a blood sport i refer to it as a blood sport (laughs) because you know there is a lot of mud that's thrown and there's a lot of um you know a lot of toxicity that is like existing and you're like engaging with by by proxy and you know that always comes at a cost of the other personalities and you know they're they're uh anyone that is on these shows yeah, absolutely yeah. i struggle that's I struggle how the show that. runs yeah i understand it yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean i like i it's something that i think about i I'd be lying if I said that I struggle with it too much. I feel like, you know, it is a healthy outlet for like engaging in, in toxicity and like, you know, um, that's way better than not that the alternative is like doing it in real life, but um, it's, it is like a healthier outlet to sort of exercise and like engage with these feelings. Um, And also, it does bring up conversations and you need to think about these things from various perspectives and contexts in a way that I think like um, has a lot more nuance than you get when you're just exposed to uh, a problem that gets reduced on Twitter and being like, okay, well you're canceled for this specific isolated moment in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, It has made you irredeemable, but we see these people engage in problematic behavior and, you know, sometimes they apologize and they do better and they learn from it. And we see that growth, which is a very like healthy thing to see on, on television, to see someone get past that and learn and show that people aren't these irredeemable people. Um, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they double down. Sometimes they like remain toxic. And, you know, that's the case in real life as well. And um, I, I, I think that it generates a lot more thought and dialogue um, than, um, you know, than just kind of ignoring it and writing, writing it off as something that is just purely toxic. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Totally. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Like we, 
we watched so much reality shows uh, in our house, and it takes three hours to watch any episode of anything because we do pause and we talk about, well, that makes me mad that that person said that about that to that person. And I wouldn't say that. Would you say that? And well, maybe in these circumstances we would. And these people on the show have all signed a waiver to be on the show arguing about stuff so that we have these conversations, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, so, and some of the conversations that happen, like, on Twitter or on social media surrounding these um, they do lack nuance. That is people just producing and isolating things. I think that's unavoidable with those platforms. But um, in other places, there are more nuanced like conversations that happen about it. Um, and also on Twitter and Instagram, you do see that uh, some sometimes. But um, yeah, I, and thinking about you mentioned Big Brother. I'm thinking about like last season with uh, with Kyle. There was the big like controversy where um, he was calling out a, a cookout 2.0 existing within the house, and um, you know that was a very uh, nuanced situation that he did not have the social skills to navigate, and you know, but he also didn't have the background to realize what was problematic about what he was doing and how he was dealing with it. And I think that, you know, we saw kind of both sides of people approaching that conversation on places like Reddit, where I, you know, engage with big brother content and uh, Twitter and Instagram. We see people like sometimes reducing it to this like clear cut, like he's problematic. He's irredeemable. There's like, um, you, there's nothing that he can do to redeem himself. He needs to be cast off from society and go to canceled Island or whatever. Um, and then you've got people that are like, okay, well, you know, he needs to like learn from this and he needs to know that it's him that needs to educate himself about this. It's not anyone else's responsibility to do that. And he needs to like grow. And this is kind of like the path forward and it generates a good conversation about, you know, um, why is this pro problematic? And lots of the commenters that you see weighing into this don't have all of the context, including like myself. Like I don't have all the the background and the education and the the lived experience to really know how to you know the nuance of that sort of situation and the dialogue that those situations generate. It is a way to for people to educate and see another person's perspective. So I think even when we do get these toxic moments that crop up in reality TV, it is an opportunity for people to learn from that uh, without making the same mistakes that the people that you see on these shows do. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great points. It's, it's been interesting. Also, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Sandy, it's, please. it's been interesting to see in the last couple of years, how Bravo has, has dealt with those sort of incidents that come up when people are saying things that are, really problematic. And they were sort of Bravo sort of started firing a bunch of people due to that. And then I don't know if they stopped because they realized they might run out of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but either way, I think it was way better when they started embracing that this needed to play out on the show. And there's been some really interesting, yeah. as you're saying, things to watch. There was, uh, I think of Dallas when um, Brandy, I can't even remember what the context was, but it was, but she had to like, live that on the show. And she, I mean, I think it was a really hard experience for her and, but important. And it was such an interesting thing to watch and totally agree with you, Craig there. It really does allow for some really interesting conversations and some self-reflection as a society. I mean, we look at 
scandal with with Vanderpump rules and the crazy reaction, their extreme reaction, I should say. And as you said, largely not nuanced enough for my taste, but we've had many conversations about that. Yeah. And you've talked about it on this on the show. And there's so much to be pulled and learn about like our collective reaction to that and what it means and reflection as a society and et cetera, that there's so much depth to these shows that people might not realize if they're just sort of seeing an ad for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's definitely not something that people, um, that people think about or talk about when you initially mention these, these programs, people don't, um, don't respect the nuance of, of what these shows give us. Uh, did either of you guys have any other comments on Real Housewives of Atlanta before we move on to Orange County? Just, I'm not rooting for Scott Lee and Drew. Yeah. <laughs> or Marlo. Marlo. Uh, Marlo, sorry. But hey, yeah. maybe Drew, maybe Drew's single now. She can get in there. Yeah, she's single now. <laughs> That'll be some good drama for next season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rusty, what were your thoughts on the cast of Real Housewives of Orange County? Oh, my God. Oh, oof. They're hard to tell apart, first of all. <laughs> uh, Tamara, she's something else. Oh, let me see here. I like Shannon a lot. Shannon, uh, we were saying she's got big um, Carrie Fisher vibes. Really oh, like yeah. Her. yeah. Like, does not give a shit what anybody yeah. else thinks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking through my notes here. I'll, I'll jump in. I love Shannon. She's yeah, one of my all-time favorite housewives. I think, Craig, you might agree. Mm-hmm. Um, she is just such a perfect comp and you need all, you need all the types of people. You need the villains. As I think you were saying in a previous episode, Greg, they, people kind of maybe sometimes shift through those archetypes, but Shannon is just a great mix of lovable and relatable and well-meaning, but also so messy that she brings, she brings the drama. She works, she does, she does her part on these shows and she can't really, I think, control it. Like some of these women like are very, they produce themselves, they keep themselves in line, which I want to talk about a little bit for this show specifically. And Shannon just couldn't if she wanted to, like, she's just herself. And she, it's just so fun (laughs) to watch just like mess, 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 but also you just root for her. And I just, yeah, I, I have lots of, there's a level of sincerity that she gives off that that you can tell is sincere and you, that's totally relatable. Yeah. And she's, and yeah, she's self-deprecating. Like like, yeah. too. Yeah. And, and she is like so messy and she can't help but be messy. Like watching Shannon navigate any sort of social situation on real housewives of orange County. It reminds me of, there's an episode of Nathan for you where the premise is basically to keep an antique shop open late at night and draw like bar traffic in and get really drunk people to come in and break stuff because they can't like, they can't <laughs> like control themselves um, in order to like well, something. sell <laughs> in order to sell more antiques. Um, and that's like Shannon operating in orange County. Like she is just, no matter what she does, she's going to turn around, knock something over and cause a problem. Even if she doesn't intend to, yeah. it's, <laughs> it is very engaging. And there's a reason why, like, um, you know, of the, the Tres Amigas, uh, uh, Shannon, Vicky and Tamara, uh, Shannon was the one they kept around while they put Vicky and Tamara on, on a break, which I think was a misstep completely. But, um, you know, there's a reason why Shannon stuck around and it is because she's likable, but also like she's messy. Like she's just like 
always is causing or has a problem. And it's like, it is a little exhausting to watch, but I think that if Shannon was not as likable as she was, then, you know, she'd be, she'd be gone, but she is likable and relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, she's just kind of got this look on her face where it's like, Oh, I'm fucking up again. Uh, (laughs) suck it. I'm I'm fucking up again. Too bad. And it's like, it's kind of like, sometimes you're like, Shannon, like when, when she was, they were on the boat and this was, I don't know if you saw this episode, they were on a boat and I saw the, it, the yeah. new characters was like telling the storybook, their adopted son and this foster care. And she's just like, there's not somebody in the boat. And it's just like, oh, you just, yeah. oh, so, <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was an amazing scene. And just, yeah. Classic, classic Shannon. <laughs> Uh, Rusty, what were your highlights from Orange County? Okay, let me take a look here. Well, first of all, I, I was just thinking about Heather was another character that I, I've got here. My note says, when I was just getting to know them, she knocks husband's foot into capital letters that says, elevator. Like, And then, yeah. an, what? They have an <laughs> elevator in their house? <laughs> they have too much. Like, they, I think all these people have too much money, but uh, they have, like, way too much money, I think. The Heather, the Heather okay. family. Posh Spice family. That's what yeah. it seemed like to me. <laughs> um, that makes uh, Terry DeBrow, uh, David Beckham. <laughs> in, that, in that analogy. Oh, that, <laughs> one, one, interesting, one interesting thing on that note about this show, and I don't know if it's so much played up anymore, but this is one of the few shows where there's sort of been a deliberate um, exploration of diff- almost different class hierarchies within the cast. So we had, we have poor old Gina who now has, her life has become stable, but earlier in the show, she had her marriage broke up. She had, I think a DUI. She was living in a casita. They always made fun of in the back of a house. She just, she didn't have the money that these other women did, especially Heather, who's the peak of this excess and wealth and most disgustingly and was played up that way. And it was kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to see, like kind of, it was, it was produced. It wasn't necessarily super like organic, but it was an interest. It was interesting to see the show. One of these shows engage with that because there was, and you see it on here a little bit where, where uh, Gina didn't invite Heather to something in one of the previous episodes because she thought, well, she's not going to want to come to a dive bar. This is not fancy enough for Heather. And Heather was then offended. And so there's still that, yeah. that strain in there, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. It is, it is produced, but also I feel like um, it kind of almost needs that frame in order to explore it in a way like you need to have some, um, some sort of framework that you can use to explore these ideas and how they approach things so differently and like how it colors their perspective. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is like one of the really interesting things about Orange County, um, you know, over, over its lifetime, especially, you know, since bringing on Gina, who, like you said, had, had a lot more humbler of a beginning than a lot of the other housewives that she was uh, cast with. Love to know what, like how much money Gina actually has, like compared to us, you know, cause like all these other women, you're like, yeah. it's such a big amount. I can't even fathom it, but I'm like, well, her, maybe I could at least fathom it. And like, I'd love to see the scale. I'm sure you could do some calculations because yeah. <laughs> we know what they get paid for these shows. And now they have the money from the shows. Whereas at the beginning, they aren't starting with that. And that's interesting to kind of observe as well. You see that in shows like Vanderpump Rules where 
they're just now really rich literally because of the show. They didn't start that way. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so fascinating. Uh, okay, well, th- my next highlight would be Heather packing for this this trip, which kind of ties us back to what we were talking about before with like having support of a team of people making you feel confident, right? Like, so they're going to this dude ranch and Heather has like stylists and a personal assistant, like at her home store of costumes that are all Western, yeah. <laughs> like it seemed helping her pick out her own costumes. Like we're trying to think of another scenario that another grown up would have that. In. And it's like, no, it's like a child's princess birthday party is the only time you have two people <laughs> totally. helping you pick out your outfit so you can go to this theme park of an outdoor nature place where you're not going to do any outdoor stuff at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was the packing that was uh, fascinating to me. Like, And what are they even packing for exactly? And packing for the airport and all these fascinating... Uh, fabulous clothes was just uh, yeah i love how removed like heather is from the day-to-day reality of what someone who might be like a legitimate cowboy is where her outfit is just so costumey like it is so over the top costumey just because it does not like there's it it makes nods to being a cowboy because it's a hat. It's like Western inspired, but it is so removed from that world that it seems so out of place. And it's, it's so it's funny. It's, well, they're like it's Katy like, Perry costume for a cowboy themed song yes. on stage at an arena. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> but then I found like when I was watching the, the final scene on this episode, I was like, this standoff between Heather and Taylor, like, mm. it seemed so reminiscent of, like, a Western, like, <laughs> bar <laughs> scene. Like, it's like, this is the most cowboy shit I have ever seen on this show. <laughs> yes. That was uh, one of my highlights is this this fight. The it's, whole script fight? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, it. this is... For me, one of the first, maybe the first real storyline for Heather, Heather's, Heather's story, like she left the show and then came back. And I, I think she's now left again, maybe because of how this maybe got too real for her because this, she, her last storyline was like, I'm building my crazy mansion. And it was just, yeah, you know, it's, it wasn't interesting. It was the standard garbage you would think would be on these shows. And it's fine. It can be there, but it's not interesting. And, and she has a, she has a real career, but talking about like that balance of like, she has a legitimate career as an actor from the past, but it's a bit mm-hmm. shaky because she d- hasn't done it in years. And as we see in this episode, like her IMDB, it's all one episode. It's not, it's not that solid. And that is going to, that is going to hit home to her in a way that I don't think she wants this show ever to do. And that's why this fight is so good and seeing something real from Heather is so rewarding because it's so real. And we can understand that feeling of like someone taking real shots at what matters most to you. And when we see the, the flashback to when I guess it's Tamara and, and, um, Taylor are talking about this in the restaurant. There's a flashback, which is kind of, you know, shady from the editors where years ago she says, I got a job mm-hmm. on this sitcom. And it turns out every other housewife got that call. And she's yeah. like, oh, that was for a different part. You could just tell how like 
how that would have felt to her in that moment and trying to save face, but like, Oh my God, I'm just a housewife. Like I'm not a real actor anymore. So then for, for, for Taylor to come with this weird, whatever movie and how that all played out offering this part that then like, and Heather has a really good point. That is not how any of this would work. That's not a real offer (laughs) of just like, Hey, there's a part. It's just so compelling. I'm so excited about this storyline. I'm kind of totally on Heather's side too on this. Oh yeah, <laughs> I gotta say. Oh yeah, uh, and I, that, I that think throwback, <laughs> that flashback you were talking about. So it was like, I'm not totally sure of all the context, but because of Heather's previous acting experience, she was offered some kind of role. But so was everyone else in The Real Housewives. Sounds but, like yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. the nuance here that nobody said is they were only offered that role because Heather has acting experience, and whatever the show was wanted to get. Heather and then everyone else from the Desperate Housewives gets probably a non-speaking role, but Heather gets like a speaking role. Or am I wrong in that? That's what I gathered from this. So they're all getting a role because of Heather's professionalism is what they're not saying out loud. (laughs) But at the same time. Yeah. How true that is. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's it's pretty (laughs) clear that. Desperate. I'm getting about this. (laughs) It's pretty clear that Heather's most likely a better actor than these other random housewives. But for Heather as a serious actor, to be realizing that her part in whatever way is associated with getting all these other housewives on a show as a gimmick is going to be just as low of a blow. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not going to exactly. totally. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that, that particular experience that they highlighted is exactly why she doesn't want to do this because she doesn't want to just get a part because she's a housewife because that blew up on her and totally minimizes before so um yeah and yeah this was the i i feel like this was an, an amazing story that is definitely um you know this is something that is constructed by by taylor like this is something that is conceived and constructed by taylor in order to like make a play at causing drama this is not you know just like a happy accident this is like her trying to make a mark coming in and i feel like taylor's maybe a little underestimated because she's coming on as a friend of the housewives they you know i feel like her past since she was on beverly hills as a housewife like that wasn't uh taken into account as much as as in terms of how much she could impact a story or have her own story since she was just coming on as a friend of. And, you know, we're seeing her make like an immediate play and she's playing it perfectly. Like I think she's showing her maturity as, as a housewife in terms of like, you know, housewife trade craft. She's able to like come in as this angle of like, I want to build a relationship with you, Heather, but really I'm setting myself up to like make a real deep cut on, on you. I like, I'm, I'm like taking a shot at you. Um, and she's doing it. Like she knows that she can do it early on because on one hand, she doesn't have like the social capital in order to make a big play by moving a lot of, a lot of pawns. Like, you know, you see people like, um, on real housewives of Atlanta, like, Candy doesn't have to make things, doesn't have to do anything on her own because she's got so many people that are on her team that she can move them as as pieces. And that's something that we saw in Real Housewives of New Jersey this past season, like Teresa and Jen, you know, manipulating Danielle to do her her bidding. Um, Taylor doesn't have that that built up social currency in order to make 
people do stuff for her but that also gives her the freedom like she's a like a complete like free agent she's a rogue she's a mercenary she's going in she's going to make her play to like really you know cut someone deep and then you know reshuffle the deck because the sides are relatively carved out uh, on orange county like those are very mature dynamics that all these people have so to make a a big cut and just see how the deck reshuffles i think is um is a smart play from her and we're seeing her you know her housewife smarts come into play that's such a good so you're saying that like yeah you're saying that like bringing the script to the to the show basically bringing it as a as her storyline kind of thing and bring it to heather is sort of like her plays kind of how you're saying what you're saying i think yeah i think like being like oh you know you can be in this movie with me yeah like so she yeah i think she knows how that's gonna play with with heather yeah and, i mean i really re- i was really relating actually to heather a lot <laughs> because um uh i i have a lot of people who i've produced a lot of music and so a lot of people come to me and do things like Hey, won't it be fun if we do this thing together? And yeah. I think to myself, well, what's your budget? What are you trying to get out of me? Is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> How much time is this going to take? Are you going to pay me? Is it really going to be fun for me or is it going to be fun for you? And you're going to get my work out of it. <laughs> right. You know, and so I totally was relating. And I kind of thought that the editor shade was being given to the new person who's, what's her name? I'm sorry. Uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, when. Heather was talking about like, what's the schedule where, who's the producer, what's the director, where's the reshoot days. And they said, they posted, they put all that on the screen. And to me, that was the editor going, yeah, that's how shows work. It's a lot of work. There's a huge team, so many logistics and money and budget and scheduling involved. It's not just a, now we're friends because I'm an actor and you're an actor and I got you this role. It's super minimizing of Heather's whole career and everyone that helped her get there. And uh, I really felt with her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that that would have landed more if, if Taylor actually cared about being an actress, like that would have been a bit better of like a fire back at, at Taylor. If she actually wanted to be an actress, but she doesn't, she wants to be a real housewife of orange County. She wants to get her orange. Right. So like, you know, the fact that it does get Heather worked up where she feels the need to like, like minimize what Taylor's doing just like by extension of the fact that Taylor doesn't actually care about doing this properly. It, it in turn further minimizes like Heather's career and the fact that she's taking this so seriously when, when Taylor's not. And she and Heather is yeah. obviously can see all that hat playing out. I'm sure. Cause she's a very smart person. Like what everything you just described yeah. and just probably just gets her goat so bad, like on these multiple levels. And um, it's in, I, I like what you're saying about Taylor. I haven't thought too much about her, but when she was back, when she was on, um, Beverly Hills long ago, she was a really like meek and a meek character because she was going through some really dark, like marriage stuff, like really dark, like we didn't want to get into it, but, but I never, but she is underestimated, like you said, and now she's, you know, it's like 10 years later or whatever, seven years. And she's, she's stable and she's ready to come back. And like, she can play that meek doe eyed. Oh, what? I don't understand why Heather's so upset really well, like you're saying, and that's going to give her really good in to to like mess with things. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when you see like 
uh, a housewife skill at the game play out. Like, I love when you see something that is clearly like a social move. Like, it's one of the things I love about Big Brother because you see that at a lot higher frequency because that game, there is, you know, that imposed structure in how, how it works. But, like, you do see that on Real Housewives as well. It's just a lot longer and, a, like, um, probably, like, a, a bigger chessboard that that is in play that you have to think, like, a lot further ahead. You're not, you know, you're not constantly on the the edge of getting, like, kicked off. But I love when you see someone's skill come out and how they manipulate social situations in order to position themselves and the people around them. And that's one of the things that I really like about watching real, real housewives ultimate girl strip when you've got that condensed format and you, uh, you see the housewives from different franchises. And I, I feel like on real housewives ultimate girls trip uh, three, the one that just aired, that's something that we really saw a skill discrepancy between, you know, people like Giselle from Potomac and then, you know, uh, Whitney and um, uh, Heather from uh, Salt Lake City just being like so outclassed at the Housewives game. It is like really late there. <laughs> I want to see something... this now. <laughs> yeah. There's so much. Yeah. You should check it out. It, I will. It, it's... <laughs> and that was an interesting one because it was kind of, you kind of like, it was a little dry, but then some people stepped up and like it was, it was really obvious, but not in a, unskilled way but just an interesting way for the audience to be able to to take it in so yeah so i haven't uh i I haven't seen these spinoffs at all obviously but i'm assuming they're sort of parallel to like bachelors in paradise is like a spinoff of yes sort of it like ultimate girl strip is like the housewives all-star game basically yeah that's what i figured (laughs) yeah so you know how like we see in real housewives of orange county this week they're going on this trip to the the dude ranch or whatever yeah uh typically like a typical housewife season has like two cast trips there's a smaller one like the one that we're seeing here and then there's like uh, a big one where they it's usually international a lot more glamorous and whatever and so what they do is they take housewives from various franchises and they put them on a on, on a trip like a glamorous trip together typically and they then just let it kind of play out and you know they've they've constructed the personalities that are in here uh based on like history and just like their personalities in order to see what sort of like bonds form and what sort of conflict arises and because you know these are professionals. These are like, you know, it's not just like Joe Blow going on the this trip and like dipping their toes into the re- reality. Uh, like their relationships waters. will continue on beyond this, and they'll have business there's, relationships, yeah, networking, and stuff. <laughs> there's there's that, and also they've been like doing this. They they know the game. They know mm-hmm. kind of the conventions and how to like play things. So. Um, it's a lot more interesting than you would think it would be. I still think that it's not as, um, it's not as rewarding a viewing experience as watching a longer real housewives, uh, season play out, but it is kind of interesting in how it's different. And you see a little bit more of the game, uh, exposed. Cool. Going to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you have any other highlights from real housewives of orange County rusty? I didn't. I don't think. Uh, how about you, Sandy? Um, I mean, I had, I'll talk about other stuff. I had one more. Otherwise, we kind of covered them. But so so when Shannon left the table to go dress up in her 
saloon outfit. She said, I have to take a call. I have to take a call. Oh, the, the person that was supposed to watch my kids didn't show up. And then everyone had a little back and forth. Well, like her kids are 18. Like what? Uh, And like, why isn't her boyfriend just (laughs) living there? And, and it turns out that was like a fake reason to leave the table. She says, but I just must know, did she actually hire a babysitter for her two 18 year old girls? Like, that to me is like an unanswered question that I must know the answer because Shannon would. We talked about it too. (laughs) Well, we talked about the fact that she's got a huge property that needs a crew of people to take care of probably. Right. And there's probably a hundred gates and security systems and stuff. And if I had two 18 year old daughters and a 50 year old boyfriend, I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable with that new person staying with my 19 year old daughters don't want him around. (laughs) (laughs) None of their business either. Yeah. Maybe hire a groundskeeper, not a babysitter. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Yeah. This was another example also of Shannon just like fumbling her way through things. And if she was like, if she had the, you know, if she had the skills at the game that we were just talking about, um, this could be an opportunity that she created unknowingly to like have someone who's on her side be sitting at the table. Like, oh, this is all the shit that they said about your relationship with John when you left the table to go and get dressed up. Right. Like that is a perfect opportunity to be like collecting information that you can use as a later date as like leverage in an argument or whatever. Your use of the um, word skill for the last five minutes just came into clear focus for me. Now I'm understanding <laughs> what you're talking about, like planting people to get like clout within a drama arrangement. And like, that's, that's insane but impressive (laughs) (laughs) sorry i interrupted you but it just oh no yeah but yeah no i i think like if she was that sort of like more strategic housewife then i i think it was an opportunity to get information and you know information is we see it used in all sorts of ways like how it can get you can disperse it and see how it like passes through the group and how it ends up coming back to you in order to get a better read on your situations. Or you can use it by like sharing it with someone to strengthen your, your bond as like a, uh, you know, having this like common thing to, to rally around. And um, you can use it in a variety of ways and a combination of, of different ways. And um, you know, Shannon's just not the housewife that is able to do that. So uh, it will be a little bit interesting to see if anyone like kind of comes to her to see if they can, you know, gain some goodwill with her or whatever. But um, I just thought it was an interesting opportunity that was probably going to end up getting missed. It's interesting that it's nice to have that. There's such diversity, right? We have these housewives who can play that game. We have the housewives who can't like Shannon, but still offer so much because it plays off the rest. Then we have like other ones who are less interesting and they shuffle off after a couple years. It's, there's just so many different ways to be a housewife that is really interesting. And to your point about choosing what to do with information, I always find it really fascinating. Like when people have a discussion there's very deliberate decisions. Are you or are you not going to go tell the other person? And it's very strategic. And sometimes it's not maybe, but usually it's very strategic. And it's, you kind of never know how someone's going to go. And I, I don't watch Big Brother, but I imagine there's, that's like the whole premise, right? It's just like manipulating people, et cetera. But it's, it's very interesting to watch that going on and picking up on the decisions being made and the level of skill when they make them. Yeah, totally. Um, 
Did you have any other highlights, Sandy? Um, I think we we covered we covered most of mine. Yeah, or all of them. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I do have a question for you. What do you think of Jen as a uh, rookie housewife? Um, uh, Sandy, sorry. I think it's TBD. I think the whole thing about her being with her partner now, she met while she was in the marriage and it was an emotional affair, if nothing else. I mean, they're trying to make that into a storyline with Gina being upset about it. I don't think there's mm-hmm. much there. Uh, for one thing, there's been a lot more dramatic cheating storylines in this world and she's really upfront about it. So I think it's to be determined if she can bring it. I don't know. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I, uh, I find her so annoying. Actually, (laughs) I do not like her at all. I feel like she tries so hard and it comes across like very inauthentic. And I just like, I don't know. I, I find her particularly phony. So, um, even how she's handling this uh, this affair coming out is kind of boring to me. Um, I I was surprised that like Doctor Jen from last season didn't come back. I think like uh, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I really liked her as a housewife. I love her. First <laughs> um, of all, they're also those two women are like twins, so you might almost not notice <laughs> visually that they're different. Mm. Doctor Jen and her. Very sad husband, Ryan, were a highlight of last season. And watching their very uncomfortable relationship was fascinating. And I really miss her. I totally agree. Yeah. And she was like, she was so open about the problems that they were having and just like showing that part of her life. And like Ryan hated it. (laughs) You know, he hated being on camera and seeing this like, awful relationship like having to engage with that and not being able to like hide his disdain and i thought that yeah jen dr jen was like really trying to do stuff socially within the the housewives uh game as well and so i don't know i don't know why she was not very well received by the fan base in general and they didn't bring her back um noella also last season was like a really chaotic force. Like I can't remember anyone coming on and being nearly as like having this like chaotic energy about them in recent memory, at least. Um, And so I I feel like two housewives with a lot of potential um, just didn't, didn't get asked back. And I'm a little disappointed that, you know, this new gen and her husband or boyfriend, new Ryan are, um, the replacements that we got. It just feels very hollow to me. Is his name also actually Ryan and her name is actually Jen? Like, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not Ryan. Ryan. It's Ryan. Yes. He's, he hasn't, he hasn't uh, undergone the metamorphosis to Ryan yet. <laughs> oh, it's so funny how everyone made fun of him for that. Oh, I loved it all. Yeah. No, this is making me sad, Craig. I forgot about those two. I miss them too. I forgot because this this cast is a little like I've never loved this show the most. They're all a little like trying, like it's just not quite there, which is why I'm looking forward to the The stakes are a lot lower. Yeah, that's why I'm really happy about the the Heather the Heather storyline. And I had one more question on that actually for Heather. Why do you think she came back? Because she clearly regretted it. She can't. She left. She came back for one season, or has she been here for two now? No, two of. This is her second. Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, I I don't really know what her motivation for coming back was. Um, money, maybe. Uh, maybe to show off that her house was finally done because I feel like that storyline of hers was like three seasons long putting this house together. Um, but yeah, I I don't really know. I I think Heather is like likable, but she's also kind of phony. Um, you she's, know, her she's and out of touch of reality, totally out of touch with your reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's like very careful about um, how she presents herself and how she comes across on these shows, which is not usually an asset unless you're able to do it like really well. Um, and I think actually a housewife that I really love that is also similarly careful about how they get presented is candy. Like Candy's a little bit standoffish in terms of like giving everything to the camera. She gives a lot to the show and she, but it's clearly like very self-produced. Uh, Heather is not as skilled at making those moments that she gives to the camera that are self-produced as authentic. Like her and Terry's relationship always comes across as like stiff. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it doesn't help that Terry is like only ever in his like scrubs with his name on it yeah. at home, like lounging in his, in his scrubs, unless he's going to like a theme party. Um, <laughs> like, it's very clear that what they're trying to do is like build their brand. But I don't know. I, I can like take or, or leave Heather. I think it's really interesting that she's on here and we're getting this, uh, this conflict with Taylor because you know, Taylor is like able to draw blood when she's making cuts. So that's interesting to see. Um, and also I think the relationship between her and Gina being, you know, polar opposites of the, the social strata within the orange County is an interesting dynamic as well. So there are sort of things that she lends to the show that is maybe not her intention and maybe not a reflection of her skill as a housewife, but I think she's like a valuable like piece of the dynamic. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Awesome. Well, I think that about covers all of the things that I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, uh, Rusty. And thank you, Sandy, for, for stepping in for Dylan while he's away. Uh, this is, this has been a blast. I so, so happy that had both of you on here. Uh, Rusty, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here, Craig. Uh, uh, you can find me at at Rusty Robot underscore one zero one zero zero one on Instagram. Uh, I'm also Rusty Robot on Facebook. I'm a music producer from Winnipeg, and uh, I have a song called Northern Paradise that you can find on YouTube, which is a fan art theme song for Bachelors in Paradise Canada, which features Mike Ogilvie from Bachelors in Paradise Canada and The Bachelorette Canada. Uh, and I have a new song coming out soon which you can find on YouTube as well. That's all. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. One thing that you didn't plug that I'm super pumped about is the uh, vinyl release of Combing the Clouds, oh, yeah. which was an album that had a huge impact on me when wow. I was a, uh, when I was young. Um, you know, cool. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, it's, it, it's actually, yeah, it was like one of my, my most listened to albums when I was like in, 
in high school. So, wow. um, yeah, I, uh, I really stoked about that. It was an immediate pre-order when, when you dropped that. So <gasps> wow. Everyone, thanks, everyone check it out. Thank you. Um, that's the, Sandy, that's the first link in my bio on Instagram <laughs> and now on to Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sandy, want to let everyone know where they can find you? Sure. It's pretty off topic, but if you're interested in checking out my art made with human hair, you can find me at corporeal curios on Instagram. Can you spell that, please? C-O-R-P-O-R-E-A-L-C-U-R-I-O-S. It's kind of the worst handle and business name ever, I realize now, but, you know. So it's corporeal what? <laughs> Curios. C-U-R-I-O-S. Or just search my name. Awesome. <laughs> corporeal Curios. Well, thanks, thanks again to both of you guys. That's been Bravo Outsider for this week. You can find us on Instagram at Bravo Outsider, on Twitter at Bravo underscore Outsider. We've got a website, bravooutsider.com. Look us up on YouTube. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, keep on wiping. 